Hey everyone, Dr. Pat and I would personally like to invite you to join us in our Grow My Baby program. This is week-by-week pregnancy and birth information developed from our experience of helping more than 4,000 women grow and birth their babies. All our links are on our website, growmybaby.com.au. If you're trying to get pregnant or you are pregnant and you feel a little bit overwhelmed by all you need to know, then this is the right podcast for you. Welcome to the show. I'm Bridget Maloney. And I'm obstetrician Dr. Patrick Maloney. And this is The Kick, your expert-led podcast that delivers the essentials of growing a baby. Make sure you head to our website, growmybaby.com.au, to get some awesome free tools like our Pregnancy Knowledge Checker to help you feel like you got this. Welcome, everyone, to episode 25. How are you going, Pat? Look, I'm really well. We're in the same session recording the previous episode, and I'm just giving a puppy update. Uh, gone to sleep. Oh, gone to sleep. Yeah, thankfully, because I think he started to chew on the cables. <laughs> oh, dear. All right. So um, I want to start this episode, Pat, by reading um, a an amazing review that we had on our iTunes podcast. Yeah. Um, and it's from Daphne. Thank you, Daphne. She's got, this is a long review. Sorry. Thank you for the work you do putting out credible, well-explained, evidence-based information. I'm currently 26 weeks pregnant and have enjoyed listening throughout my pregnancy so far. There is so much fear-mongering out there in the pregnancy community and a rational fear of the medical system. Mm, Boo. A great deal of this mistrust of the medical system could be avoided if people listen to this resource. I'm a health professional myself, so I understand that I'm coming from a better position of understanding how the medical system works and is motivated. But I still find it baffling, the total lack of respect and trust out there for obstetricians and hospitals. What gets missed is the sound clinical reasoning process behind all interventions associated with pregnancy and labour. Informed consent and joint decision-making is so crucial, and women should have the right to informed decision-making about their and their baby's care. But I find the privileged nature of our society at the moment sad as uneducated opinions garner more respect than that of someone with 10 plus years training and experience who has no other motivation than to help women and babies through a safe and healthy pregnancy and birth experience. I'd find this whole process quite overwhelming if it weren't for my background. So it's easy to see how someone with no health or medical understanding could be easily misled. Thank you again for the easy to understand and outstanding information. There you go. So... I read that and, I, and you know, I was just thrilled that somebody would take the time to give us that sort of feedback and it would, you know, I don't know whether she's typing it on her phone, you know, the, the thumb working on it. That would have taken quite some time to get have. that right. Yeah. But it also made me feel a bit sad. Look, it is sad if there is mistrust out there of expertise, you know, medical expertise in pregnancy space because, uh, you know, there is you know, a sound reason behind uh, behind induction, and I think a lot behind interventions like yeah. it, like induction, for example. And I think a lot of the misunderstanding comes when things are poorly explained. As simple as that. Yeah. Um, so, a number of times throughout my um, career, if I've um, had somebody who was somewhat um, resistant to what I thought was sound advice, um, a misunderstanding as to why I was giving that advice was behind. Yeah. The problem a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. And we do hear that, you know, we hear about bedside manner and, and, um, you know, some medical people not communicating effectively. A, I think a lot of medical people are really busy. Um, and we, and if we think about the, uh, social media space, seriously, there's not many medical people in the social media space. 
Actually, there's not even many obstetricians or gynecologists on the podcasting space. If you look at all the pregnancy podcasts, they're often led or given by sort of non-medical people. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think, uh, I hope that's something that, that, um, that uh, we're offering is that, um, that perspective in a digestible format like this. Yeah. And I think sometimes, um, where that mistrust comes from, say, for example, when you're on call for the public hospital and, um, I know someone's having a baby that week and I said, Oh, you might see Pat. And then I go, actually, he's, a, he's the consultant on call. So if you see him, I hope you don't see him. Yeah, that's not good <laughs> if not they're good. calling me. Yeah. If they're calling you in, that means that that woman does need intervention. And I think um, sometimes the obstetrician coming in at that stage, sometimes that's where the blame, you know, the, they made me do it or, you know, that's where they see that their progression sort of abruptly changed from, um, you know, this this no intervention birth yeah. to something that was full of intervention. Yeah, that might, there might be something in that. Yeah. Anyway, I, you know, I just wanted to sort of talk about that a little bit and, and say I hope that this information gets out there. If you know of people that need this information, then please share. So, uh, yeah, I think it needs leads really nicely into our topic today, Pat, which we haven't sort of announced, which is uh, postpartum hemorrhage yep. or bleeding at birth. Um, and so blood loss at birth. It's pretty normal, isn't it? Uh, Some blood loss. Yeah, everyone's going to bleed a bit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, occasionally you'll see very, very small volumes, but everyone's going to bleed a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Normal birth, cesarean section, um, uh, there'll be, there'll be some bleeding. Yeah. Yeah. And so how much is normal? Well, uh, we, we sort of talk more about how much is not normal. So, uh, the, you know, in our, in, in, in the hospitals that I work at, the, the cutoffs of 500 mils counts as a postpartum. Postpartum hemorrhage, and that then you know that's a it would code as a postpartum hemorrhage for data collection and so forth. Yeah. Now some of those people might have five hundred and one mils and be fine. Yes. Um, and uh, and someone else might have four hundred and ninety nine and 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 feel that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but um, certainly um, you can lose in the low hundreds and feel totally fine. Yeah. It's one of the reasons why in late pregnancy we want, we want people to have blood to spare. Right. Okay. Tons of tons of, of iron, nice high hemoglobin when it's checked at thirty six weeks, so that they can come in with a bit to spare. Okay. Yeah. Because if somebody had a low hemoglobin and had like a bleed of say four hundred, would they feel that impact? Yeah, well, if you start at a hundred. Yeah. Um. And a hundred uh, hemoglobin. Yeah. No? Yep. Yeah. If you start if you start with your hundred hemoglobin at a hundred or or ten in the other system. There's two systems. Um. Uh. Then. Um, uh, and you lose twenty points, you might you might feel it at eighty. Yeah. But if you came in at one hundred and twenty and lost the same twenty points, you'll yeah. be hundred and feel fine. Yeah. All right. So after I'd given birth to the boys, it really felt like a bit of a military operation. You know, the people were sort of saying, "Oh, how much blood? Oh, Four hundred mils. Oh, blah, 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 you know." And they've they've got pads there, and and it all felt kind of like I didn't know whether that was normal or not. And it felt a bit subjective. How do they actually measure how much blood you've lost? Well, it's a good question because we don't we don't know that we're always terribly good at that. Yeah. Uh, what we're going to, um, you know, one of the things that we look at is um, is just how much blood is on the towels, yeah. sheets, pads, packs. Um, but it is a bit subjective. Yeah. Um, but uh, for example, if you've got linen with a known weight, and then you weigh it. Yeah. Then anything in, anything in ex, in excess of the known weight of the linen is uh, is blood. Right. Okay. Yeah. And the, one of the problems is that sometimes the hemorrhage might happen straight after the baby comes out, and a whole lot of water comes out with the baby as well. Yeah. Well, that might look like there's more blood than there really is. Yeah. Right. 
So you get a false positive for a postpartum hemorrhage? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Mo- most of the people with a significant postpartum hemorrhage are having multiple measures of the haemoglobin done after the birth. Yeah. So we can assess severity as well yeah. by things like hypotension, the blood pressure is too low, tachycardia, heart rate's too high, or the blood test says that the haemoglobin's low. Yeah. You're listening to The Kick with Dr. Pat and Bridget. How many times have you Googled something about your pregnancy? When I was pregnant all the time, Dr. Pat. (laughs) We get it. You may be confused or overwhelmed. It's normal to want information, but where's the reliable stuff from experts? Yeah. Now, if you like our podcast... Dr. Pat and I have developed an online program to help guide you through whatever stage of pregnancy you're at. It's taken us literally two years to put it together. Two long, hard years, wasn't it? (laughs) But, you know, it is a game changer in how pregnancy information is given. Now, how it works is uh, you get to sign up at whatever stage of pregnancy you're at. Like, So you could be pre-pregnant, in your very early stages of pregnancy, late pregnancy, preparing for birth, or maybe you've just brought your baby home. And you get lots of information around that. And then you also get to join our closed Facebook group. We've called in all our contacts too. So we've got a dietitian, an anaesthetist, physiotherapist. Sonographer. Yeah, who else? A pediatric nurse, obstetrician, mother of four. Oh, just all the people you need to hear from. So if that's you, come and join us at www.growmybaby.com.au. All right, so can you can you describe a, a typical situation? What what is what happens when somebody has a postpartum hemorrhage? Well, there are a number of causes, uh, but the most common um, one is that um, the baby comes out and the placenta comes out and the uterus is relaxed and floppy instead of firm and um, and well contracted. And the relaxed and, cl- and floppy uterus will bleed too much yeah. and the woman will bleed vaginally and uh, we need to intervene with a number of measures to get that uterus clamped back up again, mm. nice and tight. Um, there are blood vessels running through the wall of the uterus, which is how the um, oxygen and nutrients get from the mother to the baby. And um, when the placenta comes off, those blood vessels are just sitting there open Mm. and will bleed unless the uterus contracts properly and squeezes the blood vessel shut. And is that in the same situation as a caesarean? Um, Yes, caesarean section will, will, you can get that, but you can also get all sorts of other reasons to bleed, like surgical bleeding, like cut through, you know, you have to cut through a vein to get to the baby. Yeah, right. Yeah. So um, that's one of the reasons why you can have a, a hemorrhage even even if the birth is by caesarean section. Yeah, right. And then there's a couple of other causes for postpartum hemorrhage. Um, that one's called atonic bleeding, where the uterus is too tired and it won't clamp down properly. And uh, can I just stop on that? So why would the uterus be tired? Oh, um, sometimes it just happens or sometimes there's risk factors like labor's too long. Yeah. Um, that, that's that's a common one. Yeah. So the labor's gone very long and just like the muscles in your legs at the end of a marathon, the, the uterus is too tired, won't contract very well. Yeah. Um, or the uterus might struggle to contract because it's been overstretched during the pregnancy yeah. by a very big baby or extra water yeah. or twins. Yeah. And so the uterus is really stretched out and it finds it hard to contract down. Yeah, right. Um, and then there are other causes of bleeding like um, uh, tears in the vagina um, that the baby's head's made on the way out. Yeah. Um, or other rarer things uh, where the bleeding might be happening because the woman's blood clotting system has failed. Yeah. 
And a woman that has a um, clotting problem, she'd probably know about that, wouldn't she? Uh, yes and no. Um, we know that um, there are a small number of people with a known clotting problem, and we do know about them, and we can prepare for that. Mm. Uh, but sometimes the clotting problem arises as the result of a, of a pregnancy complication like preeclampsia. Mm. One of the features of severe preeclampsia is clotting failure. Oh, right. Or it might be that the clotting failure happens because too much blood has already been lost. Mm. So you have an ordinary atonic PPH, the uterus too tired, and when you get two or three litres down, suddenly the blood that's left in the woman's body won't clot properly, mm. and then it all gets much worse. This sounds really frightening. Um, is it frightening? Uh, yep, it yeah. sure is. Um, so, so it's still a thing. Mm. Okay, It's a huge thing in the developing world um, where... Um, where a lot of women who might be at high risk or even at standard normal risk are having babies um, away from the sort of expertise that's needed to fix mm. this. And, you know, the, the horrifying figures that we read about maternal mortality rates in the developing world, a lot of those are from hemorrhage. Oh, right. But even in Victoria in 2020, of the very small number of women who don't survive pregnancy and, child, and childbirth, some of those deaths will be from hemorrhage. So it's a real thing. Mm. Um, thankfully, it's very rare. And the reason it's rare in a developed country like ours is that we prevent it. Oh, right. Okay, we don't sit around waiting for the hemorrhage to happen. Yeah. 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 Um, and uh, the prevention of hemorrhage has been um, the, you know, the major um, uh, obstetric intervention in the 20th century that's actually made a huge difference to yeah. maternal survival. We'll talk about that in a minute. I just want to ask... Um, because I'm still back on, like, I'm frightened by this. Um, and it was something in my pregnancies that I was fearful of, because yeah. I think, once again, you know, that's what gets portrayed on some of the um, old movies that you might yeah. watch. And, um, yeah, it's it's just a, a fear that I did have during my pregnancy. Yeah, yeah I, get that it's, I get that it's scary. Um, I, think, um, I think, to be honest, it's something that a pregnant woman should know exists. Yes. Um, ideally would know a little bit about yeah. from listening to something like this. And then, um, uh, and then be aware of the strategies uh, that we use to prevent it, mm. um, and some of the things we might do to treat it if it happened, despite the preventative stuff. And I actually think this might be good listening for the the partner, yep. because I could imagine for the partner, like Horrible. if you see your partner having the baby and they have a postpartum hemorrhage or whatever, and then you know you might get chunted out of the room, or that mm. your partner might get rushed up to theatre or whatever it might be. And and um, I think that would be very traumatic. It, it really is horrible. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So um, uh, if, we, if we get to the point in a postpartum hemorrhage where we need to take the woman to, to the operating theatre yeah. to start doing surgical things to stop the bleeding, poor partner's there with the baby, yeah. back, down on the, back down on the labour ward, uh, nightmare, nightmare yeah. situation. Yeah. Everyone who's listening, just take a big breath. Big breath. <laughs> breathe in, breathe out. All right. All right. Pretty, pretty uncommon. Yeah, pretty uncommon. How common is it? Potentially serious, but we're really great at fixing it and preventing it. Yeah. Okay. Do we know how common it is? Uh, yep. It's at least 10% yep. of people would, would meet the criteria for postpartum hemorrhage, but um, very few of those people would become critically unwell. Right. Does that make sense? So yeah. m most of them are things that we manage quickly and, yeah. and easily, but they're still meeting the, they're still getting the 500, 500 mils. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, one of the risk factors uh, for postpartum hemorrhage is, is, um, advancing maternal age yeah. and obesity. Yep. Yeah. And they're things that we deal with these days much more often than they used to. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So you've talked about a big baby. Yep. 
So when we say big baby, what are we talking? Oh, the major risk factor is a real, is a macrosomic baby, so like four kilos or above, oh, yeah. where um, where we start to think, radio. How can we? We don't we don't just don't want to be on the labour ward waiting for a four kilo baby to come out, followed by a massive postpartum hemorrhage. Yeah. We how can we prov- how can we uh, be ready for this? Yeah. So we know from ultrasounds and measuring the woman's tummy that she's got a really big baby on board. So we say fine on that day on the labour ward. We're hoping that she dilates up nicely and pushes the baby out vaginally. Mm. Uh, but what might we do differently? Well, we might put an IV line in the back of the woman's hand so that if we needed to give her drugs, we could do it straight away yeah. without needing to muck around getting yeah. that IV line in in an emergency. Yeah. Um, we might send a few mils of her blood off to the blood bank at the start of the day saying four kilo baby, high risk postpartum hemorrhage and get those guys to cross match her blood. Yeah. So that, um, uh, so that uh, if she has a, a really big hemorrhage and needs her blood transfusion, it's good to go. It's all there, ready to go, yeah. Alrighty, we'll get on to treatment, but now can we talk about prevention? Yeah. What, what do you do to prevent a PPH? Well, there's a number of things. One is pre- trying, to, trying to predict who's going to have one. Yeah. So uh, that is actually kind of possible, okay? You can certainly identify people who might be sitting ducks yeah. and do special things uh, to mean that if one happens, we're good to go yeah. managing it. We uh, we drill for it. So if there's ever a quiet day on labour ward, yeah, then we do drills. Yeah, okay. Sit around with the junior people and say, right, yeah, Mrs. Bloggs is here and she's just had a hemorrhage. What can do? Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not that people. Panic. Not that. <laughs> Change my trousers, um, and <laughs> then and then we um, other preventative strategies like the little injection that you have in your thigh once the baby's out. Okay. Uh, what's that again? Click sign. Uh, no, Clexane's the, the clot preventer that we give oh, yeah. for people who are at high risk of deep venous thrombosis. Um, so this is um, drugs like um, syntocinone oh, yeah. and um, ergometrin, which are, um, are drugs that make the uterus contract. Right. And uh, if everyone has a little injection of that in the thigh when the baby comes out, then it um, dramatically reduces the risk of hemorrhage. And you have that before the placenta comes out? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Once baby's out, but before the placenta. Yeah. Um, so this is one of those interventions where you have to treat everybody to prevent a bad outcome in a small number of people. Yeah. But because it doesn't, for most, for the vast majority of people, have any negative effects, then uh, it's worth doing. It's worth doing, yeah. I think it's a bit like vaccination. Yeah. You treat everybody to protect a few people. Yeah. 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 Um, so um, doing that in a way, in a preventative way, so before the hemorrhage happens, was one of those great developments in the 20th century that turned a ba- turned having a baby into something that was really dangerous into something that is now pretty safe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, modern obstetrics people. Um, so uh, is there anything else that you do to prevent it? Uh, there's lots of other drugs that we can use, and it's a cascade. Yeah. Okay, so um, that they're the preventative things. Yeah. Okay, identify high-risk patients, be ready to go, have lots of expertise, give drugs early. Yeah. Okay, and then there are uh, interventions once the bleeding's up and away yeah. that range from um, things that can be done quickly and easily right up to complex things in an operating theatre. Yeah. But what we find is when a hemorrhage is underway, the quicker we act, yeah, and the more um, aggressively we act yeah. uh, um, to treat it, the less likely it ever is to get to the point where we need to do something serious. Mm. Yeah. All right. So um, I'm a woman who's just had her baby and all of a sudden there's a bit of activity because they think I've had a postpartum hemorrhage. Yep. Uh, what, what happens? What does the room look like? 
Yeah, well, the, the, there'll be someone with that woman. Like yeah. the, uh, there might be an obstetrician, there might be a, a midwife. And um, the first thing that any trained person would do would be to recognise it yeah. and call for help. Yeah. So there's a buzzer, push the buzzer, and lots of people will come running. Uh, and that's what's scary. That's scary. That is, yeah. Yeah. So, the dad and 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 the and the woman, um, and anyone else who's there who's never seen a postpartum hemorrhage in training before is scared by that. And that's mm. all those people appearing out of nowhere. Um, and when the rest of the team comes, um, everyone's got a job. Someone would get an intravenous line, and if there wasn't already one, someone's giving drugs. Someone's making notes of what's going on. Yeah. Um, and someone's doing other things that can help the hemorrhage to stop. Yeah. So, for example, if the hemorrhage is coming from a tear in the vagina and it's obvious that that's where it's coming from, then you put a pack in there and squeeze and the bleeding will stop. Oh, yeah. Why does it bleed that much? Is it an artery or a vein or something? Yeah, like might, that? yeah the tear might go right okay. through an artery or a vein. Uh, if the hemorrhage is coming from the uterus that is too floppy, then immediately we'll be giving drugs to tighten it up. Yep. And doing something called rub the fundus, which means rub the uterus really hard. Oh, and yep. when you rub it, it tightens. Yeah. And uh, some blood will be going off to pathology and uh, someone else's job to um, uh, to ring anaesthetics in case we need an an, uh, an anaesthetic to manage it, ring operating theatre in case we need an operating theatre to manage it and so yeah. forth. All right. And, um, you know, uh, it's not. this is not a rare um, thing. Yeah. So we get pretty slick at managing it. Yeah. And how often can that woman just stay where she's had the baby? Most of the time. Most of the time, yeah. yeah. going to theatre is not usually necessary. Right. Um, and um, what you've got to do is, is act quickly. Yeah. Um, give the medications, and then by the time they all kick in, the bleeding stops. Yeah. Um, and where's your baby during all of this? Well, ideally they're with you. Um, there's usually not, not a, a What, huge, you can hold the baby? Oh, sometimes. Yep. Or, or Or in a more si- serious situation, might pass the baby off to... To the to um, partner, yeah, and then um, uh, and 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 then obviously you know things can escalate, but most of the time we can fix this quickly and efficiently. Yeah, women who have had say big PPHs and and perhaps needed some theatre management or, or mm. whatever it might be, like, do you see them afterwards? How are they going afterwards? Yeah, I think it needs a debrief. Yeah. Um, and I think that um, one of the challenges in medical life is that things that things that don't scare us because we've seen it all before yeah. scare the hell out of the patient. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, debriefing is important. Uh, I think we go okay at that. Probably could do that better. Yeah. Uh, so, so people want a explanation. Yeah. Um, you know what was done uh, to fix it up. And then, of course, they want to know it's going to happen again. Yeah. Yeah. And um, sometimes um, if someone goes home after a significant postpartum hemorrhage, um, big, mighty decisions like, are we going to have another baby, might yeah. s- might swing on the explanation that we give about the risks of next time. Yeah. Um, and what we might do differently next time, because one of the risk factors for having had a, p- a postpartum hemorrhage is having had one before. Yeah, right. Uh, so um, we might treat that woman differently. Yeah. Um, and I think it's in our Grow My Baby program that we talk about. One day we'll launch people and you can uh, see what we're talking about all the time. But, um, join the queue, join the queue. Yeah. Uh, actually, that's a good point. We do have a wait list. You can go onto our website and, and join on the wait list and you'll be the first to know. One of the things we do cover is um, debriefing when perhaps you don't have a private obstetrician mm. or a private midwife or you know someone that you've had continuity of care with. Yep. How does somebody in the public system go about Getting a good debrief. Well, I think from if there's a major issue like that, 
they should be offered a, a debrief. Yeah. And um, I'm sure there are good ones and bad. Yeah. Uh, but um, I think it's part of the work of a busy public obstetrics unit to offer debriefing to people if things don't go according to plan. Okay. All right. So um, is there anything that that woman could be doing differently herself so she doesn't have a PPH next time? Well, yes. Um, one of the risk factors is is um, being overweight. Oh, yeah. So coming into the next labour at a healthier body weight is definitely something that can help. Mm. Making sure iron intake in the next pregnancy is as good as we can get it mm. so that we come into that next labour with extra hemoglobin, more than you need, yeah. and that way you can afford to lose a bit and still be fine. And occasionally, but not often, occasionally big decisions are made about perhaps maybe we'll have next baby by cesarean section, mm. for example. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's not always a get out of jail. doesn't work that way. Yeah. Uh, but um, there might be circumstances of a vaginal birth um, where it might be it might be advisable to at least discuss having, second, having the subsequent babies by caesar. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm just going to um, recap and say this is a um, obviously a very serious issue. It happens in 10% of pregnancies um, and the the key is prevention and, and knowing your medical team and, and knowing where it's at. And Yeah, it's one of those things, postpartum hemorrhage in particular is one of those reasons why you have your baby in a hospital yeah. or, or why, why we like people to have their babies in a hospital. Yeah. And the reason for that is that nobody has any way of knowing whether they're going to have a postpartum hemorrhage or not mm. in the vast majority of cases. And, um, and the hospital setting really is definitely superior to any other setting mm. for um, for the management of hemorrhage when it happens. Mm. And I guess if hemorrhage was a once-in-a-blue-moon thing, we wouldn't be so concerned, but uh, we have a postpartum hemorrhage every day Yeah, yeah. Uh, on our public unit. So uh, that's um, that's why we like people to have the baby in the hospital mm. and, uh, um, you yeah. Go on the next day, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, hemorrhage is real. It can be dangerous. And um, we, we can fix it if, if people are there. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. All right, everyone. Well, that's the end of the episode for this week. I hope that was informative. Um, if you've enjoyed our podcast, and we know that there's lots of people listening. I think we're up to about 50,000 downloads so far. Yeah. So um, if you're one of those um, and you want to share it with everybody, we would be very um, uh, grateful. And uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. See you next time.